Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Thank you, kids. Good morning. Shabbat Shalom. First Timothy chapter 4. Begin verse 6. First Timothy 4 and 6. The Bible says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Yeshua Messiah nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed but reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself toward righteousness for bodily exercise profits a little but righteousness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come heavenly father we do thank you today for this time that we have, we thank you for your word uh, that you've left for us. And Father, I pray now in these few brief minutes that you might help each one of us, that we would set aside the things that would distract us and that we'd focus on you and on what your word would say to us today. And so we ask that you would just bless this time, this time today for your glory. We pray in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. The year 2020 is rapidly coming to a close and certainly don't want to wish my life away but I'm sort of glad to see it go in a way I'm not sure that 2021 is really looking any better though Um, to quote Charlie Brown you don't hear Charlie Brown quoted very much from a pulpit Charlie Brown did say some profound things and one of them was this he said you know how I always dread the whole year. Well, this time I'm only dreading it one day at a time, he said. That's kind of the way I feel about the year of 2021. I'm going to dread it one day at a time. So we could be like Charlie Brown, I guess, or instead of dreading this year that is to come, how about if we resolve to make this the best year ever? You know, You know, about this time of the year, people sort of take stock on their life and, you know, the, the time passed and they begin to think about ways that they can be better in the coming year, things they can do better, new things, you know, that they can start these New Year's resolutions, many people call them. Some people um, are resolved to learn a foreign language, which is a pretty good one. Some people resolve, and this has been mine for like the past 10 years, uh, people resolve to learn to play an instrument. You know, I've wanted to play the guitar for 10 years, but I've learned you really have to get it out and practice and do some things on it to play. Some people want to take up a hobby. Uh, Many people want to travel on and on and on, whatever it is that you think that you want to do. But I think that the most common... New Year's resolutions that people would make would be uh, people want to get in better shape. You know, they want to eat healthy, they want to lose weight, they want to join a gym, uh, whatever it is. And listen, any of these things are beneficial to you, by the way, but can I tell you that they're not the most important thing? Your physical fitness is certainly important to you, but it is not 
the most important thing. And if we could pick one thing in this coming year that we could do better, can I say I wish it would be our spiritual fitness? Our spiritual fitness. Um, everything else, as we've just read here, has temporary rewards. But can I tell you today that your spiritual fitness has eternal rewards? And so in this year 2020, I would challenge you to, you know, work to better yourself in whatever area that you want to, but don't neglect your spiritual fitness in this year that is to come, because that in the end is the only thing that's really going to make any difference to you or me. Okay? So to be spiritually fit, what's involved in that and what must we do? Well, the first thing that I'll tell you about being spiritually fit is this. I'm going to tell you, you have to eat right. You have to eat right. I love what he said in this. He said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Yeshua Messiah, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine. He said, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine. That word nourished uh, implies at least something that you need daily, doesn't it? Something that you can't do without. And here he said that we're to be nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Yeshua said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of Yahweh. That's what he said. And I thought how interesting uh, when he said every word that proceeds from the mouth of Yahweh. Second Timothy chapter three tells us this. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of Yahweh. And that word inspiration literally means breathe out all scripture. Can I tell you, by the way, that's one of the most important verses in the New Testament that tell us the relevance of Old Testament. Because at the time that that was written, the New Testament didn't exist. Okay? All scripture is given to us, is inspired, is literally breathed out by Yahweh. Peter said, speaking of the word, Peter said that we're to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Desire, he said, the milk of the word. I, I've thought about that and every time uh, that I have an occasion to consider that, that passage of Scripture, I can't help but to think of a young calf or a goat or a sheep. You know, you ever see them nursing their mother and how intent they are? You know, I've seen calves literally headbutt the mama cows trying to get milk out of them, you see. But the point is that that's the way that we should be about the word of Yahweh. We should desire it so much that we'd be willing to do whatever it took that we might get it. Desire the pure milk of the word. We should be nourished in the words of faith. You can't do without it and you need it daily. Our physical lives are a direct result of what we put into them, aren't they? Some years ago, there was a documentary called Supersize Me. And in this documentary, this healthy man went on a 30-day diet where he ate nothing but McDonald's food. And guess what? At the end of the 30 days, guess what happened to him? His health was a wreck. Is it any wonder, you know, that that, um, that, that happened to him? You see, our physical bodies are a result of what we put into them. 
Can I tell you, by the way, I've tried to diet uh, on numerous occasions. It really doesn't work out for me because there's like one person, and it's always the same person that messes up my diet. Blast that little Debbie, you know. <laughs> I hate her. What we put into our bodies makes a difference physically. The same thing's true of our spiritual lives, probably even more important in our spiritual lives. I think what we put into our spiritual lives makes a huge difference. And this is what I'm going to tell you in this year that is to come. Can I tell you today that there must be for you and for me a daily intake of Yahweh's word into our life for us to be spiritually healthy? Daily into our lives. It's no wonder that so many believers struggle in their spiritual lives, that so many believers struggle in their faith, that so many believers struggle in their testimony. It's no wonder that I struggle so much in my spiritual life. It's no wonder that I struggle so much in my faith. It's no wonder that I struggle so much sometimes in my testimony. The same reason that many other people do. And here's the reason. It's because we're starving ourselves to death. Can I say that to you with love? We're starving ourselves to death. Because for many people, and sometimes even for me, and I hate to admit this, but I'm going to, but for many people and for me sometimes, the only intake that we get of Yahweh's word is what little bit that we hear here on Sabbath day. If we show up. And it's no wonder that, that we're starving to death. There has to be this daily intake of the word for us. Getting it once a week's not enough. What if you only ate once a week? What if you only ate on Sabbath? You wouldn't be very healthy, would you? You know, you might make it through Sunday. You might make it through Monday. But about Tuesday, you'd be in bad shape. And, and, and so it's no wonder we struggle so much throughout the week in our life. What do you take in on a daily basis? Well, what's feeding you is what I'd ask. Television, internet, radio, Facebook, sports, whatever those things are that you're taking in to your life, it's probably more junk food than anything else. We have to find a way. Here's what I believe. In this coming year, we have to find a way to get more word and less world in our lives. Does that make sense? Find a way to get more word and less world in our lives. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, preacher, you don't know how I work and you don't know how busy I am and you don't know all the things that I do. And I'd say to you, no, I don't. But this is what I know. I know how I work and I know how busy I am and I know all the things that I do. This time of the year, I leave to go to work almost every day. It's still dark. And when I get home, it's dark or nearly dark. I've got a ton of responsibilities around the house, trying to be a good husband, trying to do all of these things. I come home exhausted most days, sit in a recliner and pass out after I eat supper. I say all that to say this to you. There's plenty of time in my schedule to get more of Yahweh's word into my life. I just have to take it. You see, 
I just have to take it. Might have to turn the TV off or put down that book that I'm reading or turn off my phone. I might need to get up an hour early, stay up an hour late. I might need to pray and fast through lunch. I might need to listen to a faith-based podcast or radio program or whatever it is. The list goes on and on and on. But here's the bottom line for you and for me concerning the word of Yahweh in our life in this coming year. Listen, man makes time for the things that are important to him. Does that make sense? And if it's important to you, then you'll make time for it. This book that I hold in my hand is Yahweh's instruction book for our life. It's not an accessory to be picked up on Sabbath morning. It's something that we have to get into daily. Use it daily to be spiritually fit. So we have to eat right, be nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Second thing I'll tell you this about your spiritual fitness. Listen, it's not good enough uh, just to hear the word. Uh, you have to respond right. I love this part and he didn't leave it out. He says, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Did you get that? Which you have carefully followed. You have to respond right. Hearing the words only part of it. The only part of this book that makes any difference in my life or in your life is the part that you choose to obey. The rest of it's just words. The part that you choose to obey. James said that we're to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourself, he said. For hearers and doers, we're deceiving ourselves. Yeshua talked about it. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Familiar passage, but I want to read it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, listen to this, and does them. You get that? Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. He says, listen, the same storms in life are going to come, same rain beating down, the same wind blowing. The only difference between one and the other was one did what he was told to do and the other didn't. He said, great was his, was his fall. Even in back in Deuteronomy, and we read this, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Turn there quickly if you want, but you have to be quick to beat me. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 says, You shall teach your children diligently. Talk of all these things when you sit in your house and walk by the way. When you lie down, when you rise up, you'll bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as a frontlet between your eyes, and you'll write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I've talked about that, and I've said, don't miss an opportunity to talk to your children about the things of Yahweh. 
Don't miss any opportunity. But can I tell you this? Before you teach your children anything, you need to know it your own self. You can't teach them something that you don't know, and you certainly can't teach them something that you don't model in your home. And if you don't believe it, look at verse 1 of that chapter. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which Yahweh your Elohim has commanded to teach you. You have to be a diligent learner before you can be a diligent teacher. That you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. We have to be a diligent learner and we have to be a diligent doer before we can be a diligent teacher. Anybody say hallelujah to that? Boy, don't forget. I dare say for most of us, for me, anyway, I can't speak for you, but I, I, but I can speak for me. And this is what I know about me. I know for the biggest part, for me, the big issue for me is not knowing what this book says. I have a pretty good idea of what's contained in this. My issue is not knowing what it says. My issue is this. My issue is doing what it says. Anybody know what I'm saying? My issue is doing what it says because some of it's hard. And a lot of it I just don't want to do. I think about many of the things that Yeshua said, and he said hard things, didn't he? A lot of hard things. All that stuff about loving your enemy and turning the other cheek and going an extra mile and all of those things. And I really don't want to do many of those things. Be doers of the word for us to be healthy, spiritual fitness. We have to eat right. We have to respond, respond right. Thirdly, listen, we have to think right. We have to think right in this coming year. Look at verse 7. Having just said that about the word, he says, but reject Profane and old wives' fables. Reject profane and old wives' fables. If you turn forward in your Bible about two pages to Second Timothy, tells him something very similar. Second Timothy three and sixteen, he tells him to shun profane and idle babbling. For they will even increase to more unrighteousness and their message will spread like cancer, he said. We have to think right. Listen, there must be for us a firm foundation of what we believe. We have to know what we believe and know why we believe it. And here's why, because there's a whole lot of nonsense out there in this world. And it's just getting worse and getting worse. You know, if you think there's... Uh, uh, was profane and old wives' fables back then. Imagine what they'd say about the world that we live in today. We've got to know what we believe and know why we believe it. And a personal testimony, by the way, this means so much more to me today than it did one year ago. Because, you know, the background that I came from... Um, Many of the things I found that we did in our mainstream church, we did because it was just tradition to do. We did because it was, you know, in, in their constitution and bylaws or in their statement of faith or whatever it was. We didn't do many of those things because they were biblical, is what I'm saying to you. 
You know, and for me, it was a matter of having to think right. It's really about spiritual maturity, isn't it? I mean, there has to be a level of spiritual maturity for us in a believer's life. It's missing in so many people, I think. By the way, I want you to believe something, not because your pastor stands at the pulpit and tells you. I want you to believe something not because it's something that you've always done or not because it's in this or any other assembly statement of faith. I want you to believe something because that Bible that's in your lap says that. Okay? You know, we have to be so discerning. The words of this book, by the way, have been under attack from the very beginning. You go back to Genesis chapter 3 and the serpent, remember what he said? Is that really what he said? Surely that's not what he said. If he did, that's not what he meant. From that point until today, this book has been under attack. There's been a slow eroding of Yahweh's word. It didn't happen all at once. It happened a little bit at a time. You know, we started teaching evolution in our schools and we attacked the Bible in the very first sentence and said it's not true. And if the first sentence is not true, then how can I believe any of it? We have to be so very discerning in our thinking. And again, today, in the 21st century, uh, we live in a world of information overload. You know, even in this faith, you know, we were on the outside looking in for some years and we were amazed at the number of different ideas that they were among people who claimed to have the same faith. You know, we, and, and we were amazed at how far some people would be willing to go to prove that what they think was right People who look in this book and find something nobody has ever seen in the last 2,000 years. Ain't nobody ever seen this. This is some new revelation that I have. Can I tell you, that's all baloney. <laughs> you better know how to separate the wheat from the chaff particularly in the world that we live in today, because you can research anything. You can Google something on your phone. Some of y'all probably Googled something since I've been preaching. <laughs> you can Google something on your phone and believe that that's the gospel because that's what it says. Again, I don't care what Google says. I don't really care what my phone says. What I care about more than anything else is what this book says. You see, we have to we have to think right. We have to throw away the junk and keep what's good. That's the hard part because you have to be so very discerning in that. I wonder how much of this book do you really believe? I mean, how much do you really believe? And I've said, I've said, said this over and over and over, and I'll say it until I take my last breath, but this is what I believe. 
I believe if we could really, truly believe the first 10 words of this book, if we could really believe the first 10 words of it, then none of the rest of it should give us any problem. If we believe that Elohim created out of nothing all that there is, then what in the world can he not do? You know, but here's what I, I told you that since the Garden of Eden, uh, this has been under attack. It's certainly under attack today. And you see it more and more. All of the things that are contained in this book that many people are trying to tell you, you know, is myth or fable or doesn't apply to us today. I've already mentioned creation. Boy, and we're so smart in the 21st century, we have scientists that can tell us all the things that, you know, questions that we have and how this happened and how the universe came to be and all of those things. And people buy into that because these people have five degrees at the end of their name, you know, and they talk like they know what they're talking about. And people buy into that and they say, well, it must really be a myth. You know, this creation was spoken into being. Surely it was some big bang that happened somewhere. You see, that's been under attack for a long time. You know, here we're a little kind of left of mainstream, as some people would say. Can I tell you, Torah's been under attack. You know, most of the people that we know other than the people that are in this room, probably think that only one-third of the Bible even applies to them. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that a shame? The virgin birth. Well, how can that be? People say, surely that must be a fable. Again, I said, you know, a regular birth is an amazing miracle to me. You know? The resurrection, surely he wasn't dead. You know, he was just passed out or, or whatever. You know, surely that didn't happen. All of those things will come at you or many of those things will come at you in this coming year. And again, I say to you, you have to be ready and willing to separate the wheat from the chaff. You have to think right. First Thessalonians says this, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Test all things. And here's the test. It's simple. It's easy. If there was a litmus test for truth in our world today, this is it. You see, this is it. And if it's not in here or if it's contrary to what's in here, then I'm telling you, throw it away. Test all things and hold to that which is good. To be spiritually fit, you have to think right. To be spiritually fit, listen, you have to train right. You have to train right. Reject profane and old wise fables, he said, and exercise yourself toward righteousness. Exercise yourself toward righteousness. The goal is righteousness. And he says we're to exercise ourselves toward that goal. That word exercise could very easily be translated as discipline. 
discipline yourself toward the goal of righteousness. You may not believe this from looking at me now, but there was a time in my life where I could run pretty close to a four-minute mile. I could do two, when I was in the Army, I could do two miles in 10 minutes easy. Those days are long behind me. Thanks to little Debbie. But let me tell you why I could do that. I could do that because I trained and I exercised and I disciplined myself and I had a goal, you see. That's why I could do that. And if righteousness is indeed our goal, then we need to exercise or discipline ourselves towards that goal in this coming year. I've never been really, never really been into weightlifting, and I know some people are. Never been much of a weightlifter, and I'll tell you why. Listen, this is profound. Those weights are heavy. <laughs> I don't care, you know. In other words, it really takes more effort than I'm willing to put in. Same thing's true in our spiritual life. Many people don't want to do it for this reason, because it's too heavy, because it's too hard, you know, or wh whatever excuse that you want to make. Discipline. Listen, here's what it takes, and this is what it's going to take of you in this coming year. It's going to take effort. It's going to take effort on your part. You're going to have to put a little something into it. I have a friend who is at the gym. Listen to this. And this makes me sick, and I hate him for this. He's at the gym every morning at 4 a.m. working out. Can I tell you, he's willing to put some effort into it. I'm not going to do that. Discipline takes effort. It takes time, doesn't it? I mean, you got to put a little something into it. My first official job in the ministry, I was a recreation minister. That sounds fun, doesn't it? One of my duties was um, I ran a, a fitness center for this church that we went to. This time of the year, we were super busy because everybody was wanting to join the gym for the coming year. But can I tell you, most of those people we didn't see but about for a week or two weeks. They just weren't willing to put the effort and certainly weren't willing to put the time into it. Listen, your spiritual fitness is too important for you not to put effort into it, not to put some time into it. And you say, well, I just don't have enough time. Yes, you've got plenty of time. We've all got the same amount of time. Don't tell me you don't have time to do it. You need to make time to do it. It takes time. It takes commitment. And boy, here's my failure. You want to know, by the way, why for the last 10 years or so I've said I'm going to learn to play the guitar and why I've never played the guitar? I can play the chords, most of them. I just can't strum them together, you know. But here's why. It's not that I didn't have good intentions. It's not that I didn't have every opportunity. What I didn't have was this. I didn't have the commitment to do it. 
And I say Chuck and Aiden and Keith and Walker and all these people up here playing the guitar or Reuben playing the drums or, or whatever, or the singers singing, all of those things. This is what I know. Those people didn't just wake up one morning, I hope, and could do that. What they were willing to do was put time and effort and commit something to that. You know, and, and, and that's always been my failure. I'm just not ready to commit. Because when you play guitar, your fingers get sore. And once that happens, I'm done for the year. <laughs> it takes commitment. It takes making it a priority. Doesn't it? it? It takes making it a priority. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts. Consider Olympic athletes. Michael Phelps is one of my favorite in my time. Remember Michael Phelps? He was a swimmer and he won all these gold medals. Let me tell you something. Michael Phelps didn't just pop out of his mother's womb in the deep end of a pool swimming like a dolphin. That boy put some effort into it. He put some time into it. I dare say there were many high school events that he missed because he was training for the Olympics. I dare say there's many public things he missed because he was putting effort into learning how to swim. See, he, he knew, he had a goal, and he knew what it was gonna to take to get to that goal, and he did whatever it took. Somebody said this, and I don't know really who to, uh, you can just say I said it if you want. <laughs> since we don't know who originally said it. They said, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Get that? If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And I think that's so true in our spiritual life. Listen, boys and girls, men and women, if righteousness is our goal, then we have to exercise toward that goal. We have to discipline ourselves toward that goal. We have to be willing to put something into that to get to where we want to be. Does that make sense to anybody except to me? We have to put something into it. I know who said this. A.W. Tozier said, Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth, and it is. I told you, how do we get more of Yahweh's word in our life? You know, we get up an hour early, we stay up an hour later, whatever it is. You know, if you, if you resolve to do those things a couple weeks into it, it's going to be hard. A month into it, you're going to say, I'm just not sure if it's really worth it. You're going to become complacent. It's going to be easier to stay in bed than it is to get up. It's going to be easier to go to bed than it is to stay up. You see, complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Don't be complacent in this year that is to come. To be spiritually fit, eat right, respond right, think right, train right. Finally, I'll say this to you. You've got to live right. You've got to live right. Exercise yourself toward righteousness, he said, this goal of righteousness. For bodily exercise profits a little, 
But righteousness is profitable for all things, having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. It talks about exercising ourselves toward righteousness. It literally means toward a lifestyle of righteousness. We're to put some effort into living right. Can I tell you that righteousness that's demanded and expected of us as believers is not meant to be a hit and miss kind of life? It's not meant to be something that you pick up and then lay back down again every Sabbath day. It's meant to be lived out in our lives on a daily basis. And if we, listen, if we really believe that what we believe is right, and I pray that you do, you need to know this, that your lifestyle is the only Bible that many people will ever read. How you act is the only Yeshua that people will ever see. And do you think that your neighbors don't know where you go every Saturday morning when you leave at 10.30 and get home at 6 p.m.? Don't you think they know? Don't you think they know when you disappear at least twice a year for a week at a time? Don't you think they know They know that you claim to be different. But I wonder if they see it in your life. I wonder if they see it in your life. I've said the whole problem with church is that church has got so worldly and the world's got so churchy you can't tell the two of them apart anymore. And can I tell you that applies to us today? Yeshua said that we're to be salt and light, didn't he? We're to be salt and light, not to hide our light, put it on a lampstand that everybody could see it. I've thought about that salt and light, and I've heard preachers preach on that, all kinds of different things. I'm not exactly sure what it means, but this is what I think. I know for certainty that there's at least two things in this world that you can tell immediately. Salt, light. Me and my son used to play tricks on each other. We'd get up from the dinner table and we'd pour a drink full of salt. Kids, I don't recommend you doing that. You ever get that coffee cup and get a first little sip of it and that's happened, you know exactly what's happened. You ever been in power ever go out and you're struggling to find a flashlight and it's completely black in your house and as soon as you find it and turn it on, listen, that light's something that you can see. I say all that to say this to you. If we're to be salt and light in the world, I'm telling you, there needs to be something about us that's so different, that's so peculiar. You know, we're peculiar people, right? Some are more peculiar than others. But we, listen, we should be so peculiar that people look at us and immediately they know that there's something different about us. 
Immediately they know we're not like the rest of them. Immediately they know because we're going to be known by our fruits. Those fruits are the things that people see externally in your life. You know, you take a peach tree and an apricot tree, you can't tell the two of them apart until they put fruit on. And one of the fruit's hairy and one of them's not. See, that's how you can tell. Not by what the tree looks like or not by, you know, what you think, but by what the tree makes. Beloved, listen, in this coming year, I pray that we leave this place and that we live right in such a way that people would know that there's something different about us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That talks about the privilege of being a believer and a child of Yahweh. And then he says this, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, that talks about the responsibility that we have when we leave this place. And you can come here and raise your hands and praise him, and I hope that you do. But I'm telling you, when we leave this place, what are we going to look like to the world outside of us? Our spiritual fitness is so important. My prayer for each of you and for myself in this coming years at 2021 to be the year that we move closer to that goal. Yahweh has in store for us. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Every day we ought to be more and more like Him. I'll leave you with two verses. Colossians chapter 1. Turn there with me if you want. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 9 and 10. This is my prayer for you this year. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding and that you may walk worthy of Yahweh, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in knowledge of Yahweh. Yahweh bless you.